Whether it be in the New South Wales Ranges, Riverside in the Northern Territory, above treeline in New Zealand or Colorado, or in the tundra of Alaska, Hunting Camp is where the best stories are shared. Join me as I bring some of these stories to you, along with tips and techniques from some of the known and not so well known hunters of Australia and around the world. Welcome to Hunting Camp Down Under. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Hunting Camp Down Under. Um, I'm pre-recording this. Um, as you guys will see this episode drop, I'll be uh, climbing the mountains of New Mexico, um, chasing the ibex around the hills, and hopefully you guys will uh, keep up to date with some a few Instagram posts and that that I'll get out. So I uh, hope you enjoy them, and uh, I look forward to covering that on my return. So today we've got a great guest. Um, he's a family man, homegrown bow hunter, self-taught. Um, an interesting story he's changed um, from a man that uh, hunted with the dogs and, and chased pigs up and down the east coast of Australia and, and, and picked up the bow um, he still tells the story of why that happened and um, and his transition into a full-time bow hunter so um, I guess today is Lonnie Brockman um, you know Lonnie reached out to me there a few weeks ago and um, you know I was, I was quite chuffed that you know, he put his hand up to, um, you know, to get on the podcast and, and um, he shares some, you know, some really good tips from, you know, someone that the struggles of, you know, changing over um, the way of hunting and, you know, the struggles that he went through and, you know, the things that helped him improve certain tips and techniques and, uh, you know, who he listened to and and uh, and what's stuck in his mind. So, great episode and, and uh, I think uh, all the newbies to the sport, I, I really think you'll, you'll pick something up in this and uh, if you've got any questions... Um, Lonnie's on on social media, um, and and if Lonnie can't help you, you know you're more than welcome to, to drop me a line, and um, and I'll I'll do what I can, and 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 or put you into the people that um, that know what they're talking about uh, more so than me. So anyway, guys, I hope you are having a fantastic January, and uh, and I'll catch up with you guys in a couple of weeks. I'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Enjoy the episode. Well, good day, everyone. Welcome to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Got a great guest with us today, Lonnie Brockman. How are you? Mate, I'm, uh, yeah, pretty good. Not bad at all. <laughs> Thanks for putting up with me, mate. It's, um, it's <laughs> taken a few days to get this thing organised, but Christmas and New Year's and all that stuff. Yeah, it's, uh, it's that uh, hectic time of year, mate, isn't it, really? Oh, uh, definitely. I seem, to be, I seem to have a visitor every afternoon or every night. I'm trying to do something. I'll put you off. And, but anyway, we're here now, so that's the main thing. No, that's it, mate. That's good. Yeah, definitely, mate. We'll um, we'll jump straight into it, mate. Um, thanks for reaching out to us too, by the way, mate. You um, yeah, I really appreciate the message and you know putting your hand up to jump on. I, I love that stuff, and um, I've got to be honest, you're the first one to do it. So um, you know, congrats to that, mate, and and um, hope you had a bit of fun. Yeah, well, uh, it's 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 sort of something I I felt a little funny in doing, but uh, you know, I just thought I might put a. Uh, a different sort of spin on it for for any of your your listeners out there that are sort of um, just sort of getting into it or or you know thinking of thinking of making the change. You know, like I've spent a fair bit of time, twenty um, odd years, uh, hunting um, in in a different sort of way, and um, yeah, just sort of making the change over to the bow and and that for uh, for about six and eight years. So uh, yeah. No, yeah, it's, going good, it's going to be good to hear, you, hear your story sort of changing over. It, um, it's going to be cool to listen to and, 
you know, ask a few questions. And um, yeah, I think I think plenty will get it out of it because there's a you know, it's a pretty broad audience listening at the moment, and um, you know, I've had a yeah. few requests for for this kind of thing, so it's going to be good. So, well, mate, um, tell us the the Lonnie bio, mate. Tell us a bit about yourself. What do you do? Oh, you know, mate. Well, uh, yeah, I'm a um, a geotechnical um, driller, um, mainly uh, sort of residential type of work, or um, do a lot of road pavement um, investigation type work. Um, I used to um, I used to be in the, um, the the concrete and formwork um, game, but uh, yeah, pretty um, bad back injury sort of put an end to that. And um, yeah, it was it was time to change uh, occupations, to say the least. <laughs> I reckon now uh, you you're obviously um, you're located Newcastle way. You do you do a bit out in the, like the Hunter Valley and that as well when you're when you're concreting or. You travelled everywhere. Uh, yeah, I sort of um, travelled all over, uh, like New South Wales and um, and Queensland, mate. Uh, I was sort of yeah, born and raised in a um, little place called Redhead, which is about fifteen minutes sort of south of uh, of Newcastle. Yep. And uh, live there for the bigger portion of my life, and then uh, yeah, I, I moved up to um, to Cairns and. Yeah, sort of got into the the high rise type of type of work up there, and yeah, soon soon uh, found out that with the with the wet season, it, uh, it sort of became pretty difficult to make any sort of decent money with uh, with all the rain and that during the wet season. So I sort of yeah headed inland, mate, to the Gulf, and got into a bit of mining type work and 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 that sort of thing. Sort of yeah, hunting all the way, of course, and yeah. Uh, good stuff. I mean, it's. Uh... You probably would have done a bit of fishing up north too, would you? Mate, I did. Uh, I'm definitely not a fisherman. <laughs> <laughs> At least you're honest I'm definitely, Yeah, well, it's, it's all you can be, mate, isn't it? Like, it, it'd take uh, a fisherman about two seconds to work that out, I'd reckon. <laughs> no, that's awesome. So what uh, what brought you back down to, to the Hunter Valley, mate? What brought you back down to Newcastle from, from uh, Cairns? Well, I sort of, yeah, I moved from, uh, from Cairns over to Mount Isa. And I was in Mount Isa for about five and a half years, and in the in the in the mining industry there, just uh, doing construction and and um, mining projects, so to speak. And then um, yeah, it sort of had a bit of a downturn, and uh, I heard there was a, um, a a new project starting out at um, out at Mudgee, well Yulon actually. And um, yeah, I sort of. Um, got a bit of a gig there and I was out there for a couple of years working on that project and it wasn't long after that I um yeah pretty bad back injury so I've just uh just stayed here in uh, New South Wales since then mate yeah yeah awesome mate awesome so you mentioned there a little earlier mate you um you know you've been hunting for for many years you know 20 odd years and um you know it was was that always rifle hunting to start with, or did you did you have the bow in hand, you know, years ago and come back to it, or tell us a little bit about that, mate? I actually, um, I guess as a as a kid, you know, like growing up on the coast, I um, I was never into surfing or anything like that, like like the other boys were. I was, you know, I was always sort of out behind the greyhound track there, you know, uh, either either hunting rabbits with a uh, with a little homemade bow or Later on down the track, I got the oldies to buy me one of those little cheap 
fiberglass jobs, you know. Yep. I'd, I'd either have that in the hand or, or I'd have a slingshot or something, you know. I'd be out there trying to plug rabbits and, you know, I guess it all sort of started from there, you know. Like I, And then as I, uh, as I sort of got a little bit older and that uh, friends of the families, they were actually into into hunting with dogs and um, I guess... I guess I sort of went on a, a couple of trips with those, and it yeah, it just really uh, sunk in that um, yeah, that's that's what I was that's what I was to do, you know, like a, just the, the passion grew and grew, and and that's that's the road I went down, mate. Was uh, yeah, hu- hunting with dogs for um, yeah, boars. Yeah, definitely. And you did uh, you would have done that up north, like you said, just sort of hunt your way, you know, way up north. Um, did you do much dogging on that up in the Cape and those kind of things? Mate, I did, yeah. I hunted um, hunted up there pretty extensively. Um, but especially when I was uh, living in Cairns, you know, I'd probably I'd head up the Cape sort of every second weekend pretty well. And uh, I ended up uh, taking a fair bit of time off off work for the uh, for the year. And I actually worked on a on a place up there in in Cape York, uh, just doing station work and um, a little bit of bull catching and things like that. And, um, yeah, just sort of hunted all, all, all the way, you know. Yeah, to, to say I was a keen uh, pig chaser would be an understatement, you know. <laughs> how, many, how many do you reckon you've caught? Just a, just a random pick. Oh, jeez. You're asking something now. Like, yeah, I, I see couldn't tell you, mate. I, for, for one year there, actually, it was when I moved back down here, me and a couple of mates, we actually put together a little... Um, a little um, like a competition type thing for the for the biggest boar, and I think we had a pretty good block here at the time. Actually, I still hunt on there. Um, they'd had a heap of pigs on it, and I think you know, like in, including like all the all the little fellas and that that we sort of come by. You know, I think we were sort of up around the seven or eight hundred for the year. You know, wow, yeah, and and you know. I, I I couldn't give you a, a, even a close estimation, mate. Yeah, there's been a lot. <laughs> That's awesome. So looking uh, looking back and you know thinking you're hunting now, do you take much out of what you did back then? And I know they're very 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 different styles, but you know I, I guess understanding what the hogs were doing at the certain times of the day and those kind of things does that help you in your hunting now? Oh, certainly, mate. Um, it it. You know, you get you get to know what they do, and especially when you you hunt in the same place for for x amount of years. Like you can, you know, you step out of your, your car, you you know, you you grab your bow and away you go. You know, you you, you pretty well know where they're going to be and sure. and what they're going to be doing at at you know at, at each time of the year too. You know, as as your crops progress, if you're hunting crops or you know if 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 you know the paddocks are a bit dry and there's not a great deal of water around or whatever you still know what they're doing you know yeah, so, yeah. yeah it's definitely helped out uh, making the uh, making the change to the bow but um, yeah it's sort of like all the other the other critters really is where it sort of um, became a, a bit of a juggle for me really <laughs> we'll get into that um, <laughs> do we have to <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah of course but looking back in um can you remember sort of, I guess, at what stage you were? Obviously, you've done so much, you know, uh, hunting with the dogs and that kind of thing. You know, can you remember sort of what, what went through your mind when you thought, you know, you, you might sort of go and buy yourself a boat? Like, what, 
what made that happen? Mate, to be honest, it, um, it was probably um, what I mentioned there before was uh, my back injury, really. I, um, I, got, I sustained a pretty significant back injury and um, they, the, the doctors basically sort of said, well, you, if you're lucky enough to rehabilitate yourself and um, blah, 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 you, it, there's, a, there's a strong chance that if you keep doing what you're doing that you may um, spend a decent sort of portion of your, your adult life in a chair. So it, it's like the thought of, you know, running up and down mountains, chasing dogs and... Um, and that sort of thing, it sort of just become out of the question. And it actually, um, I spent about 12 months where I was just um, either laying flat on my back or or completely upright type thing. And, you know, it don't take long to, to get through the hunting magazines and all the hunting DVDs that you got. And it just, uh, it was just lucky for me that a, a, a guy come round to see how I was travelling and he actually had a... Um, it was actually a, a John Titzel, um DVD with him. It was one of the Boars and Barramundi ones where they're, I think they're in the Mitchell there on the, in their canoes. And, you know, I've always been a bit of an adventurer type type person. And I've, uh, yeah, I've watched that DVD and I've thought, you know, yeah, pack up the canoe and a bow and that, you know. I had a couple of bows when I was growing up. Like I said, the uh, the little recurve. And then when I was early teens, I had a... Um, a York compound bow and you know it sort of you know I thought yeah I could probably get back into that seriously you know and just go sneaking around the bush steady pace type thing and yeah one thing led to another mate before I knew it I was um yeah 12 months later I was back on my feet and I'd um yeah changed um changed jobs and had a had a, had a good um a good job and um yeah it was um start looking for a bow pretty well and it's just uh, grown from there you know like I like I said anyone that's sort of known me uh beforehand when I was hunting with dogs it sort of could tell you how passionate I was about that and um yeah this is just a whole new whole new level mate to be honest I, I could almost say that um to be as passionate as that I am about it like I would nearly almost say that I've always been a bow hunter you know like yeah, I think it's sure. something in your DNA I think yeah yeah, it's one of the things, I mean, you need, well, you know it too well, you know, doing that changeover, but, you know, the, the patience and the, as you said, the love of it, it's kind of got to be in your blood, otherwise you can get sick of it pretty quickly. That's right, mate, and, um, you, you know, you, you don't want to kid yourself, if you're not if you're not in at 110%, you, you're going to waste a lot of money and a lot of time, eh? Definitely, there's a lot of frustrations go with it, and, you know, if you want to take it to the level that, I think any kind of competitive person takes things. Um, you know, you, you got to kind of live and breathe it at certain points anyway. That's right, mate. Like, you pretty well got to be obsessed, don't you? <laughs> That's probably the best word for it. I'm sure we'll tell you. <laughs> mate, going back to, you know, you made that change. You, you obviously, you know, I guess you're slightly forced into to making a lifestyle change, but, you know, along that came that with the bow hunting as well. What was the initial sort of very early struggles that you found? Um, you obviously had good access, so, you know, properties and that kind of game probably wasn't a problem as much, but what was there any real challenges that stuck out to you? Mate, I'd done pretty well for the first couple of years. I, um, I started shooting a fair few pigs and um, a few decent boars, and, uh, and then I sort of started chasing foxes and things like that, but... Uh, 
mate, I guess for the first two years, I sort of, it, it was it was just real fun to me, you know, and I, I guess sort of as I progress and, and learn more and um, I guess I sort of put a lot of pressure on myself to become better and, and it and it wasn't until sort of you know into the second or third year of, of shooting the bow that I actually started to develop a few issues you know like target panic and and um, things like that like I started to second guess myself and yeah you know and to be honest now like I I, I think in in February there I'll have been shooting the bow for for six years in February it's only now I'm just starting to you know, over, overcome it, you know, and, um, you know, it was only there on the weekend that um, I happened to just grab my bow there and I wasn't even going to have a shot. I'd already been out for for an unsuccessful walk and didn't get a shot away or anything and I just so happened to have a shot at the butt and, um, yeah, I was about four inches off to the, to the right at 25 yards and, you know, straight away I knew that there was something wrong. I... Um, I shoot shoot every single day, even if it's just one or two arrows, you know. And um, yeah, I knew there was something wrong, and straight away I just uh, yeah hit hit panic stations, you know, like yep. something wrong with my bow, and it turned out yeah I'd uh, lost a grub screw in um, in in the windage um, dial on on the sight, and um, as I've been walking around with the bow on my back, it, the dial had been turning around. But oh. you know, instead of just taking a deep breath and going, yeah, she's all good. Let's yeah. um let's find out what the problem is. You know, I I um yeah, I must have had about three or four rounds just panicking and, and just spraying them everywhere and uh, yeah, it wasn't until my buddy sort of said, you know, take take a breath, it's all it's all good, we'll we'll find the problem and yeah, you know. And then you you just think to yourself, Man, what an idiot, I just done all that for nothing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that still it still does creep back in, you know. It's the human mind, mate. That's uh it's a powerful thing. It's a great. Um, going back to, I guess you mentioned, and I know we've spoke. I've spoken about this with with Brad Murphy briefly, um, you know, in one of the early episodes. But what what was the main thing you thought that target panic and that started coming into it? Was it the the pressure that know that you're at a certain level and had to stay at that level and succeed, or is there any way that you can sort of yeah explain you know no, how, I think how it come in? I think Ed, I think you hit the nail on the head, mate. Like I, I knew I was at a certain level, and and it was about that second year that I started to hunt deer, you know. And I was at I was at that stage where I thought I was good enough, and I can't remember any specific uh, incident that I that I had, but whether I'd come back from a, from a hunt and um, had had a had a blind shot on an animal or or what, I can't really put my finger on it now, but. Um, I know that confidence was lost, and um, yeah, I knew that I, I was at a certain level, and yeah, to to stick to that, and to, and to keep getting better, I knew that I had to uh, continue to research and um, yeah, look look at all the different aspects as to form and yeah, the tuning of a bow and all the rest of it, and I, I just I guess in my brain it just got too much for me, you know. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I'm starting to get on top of it now. But um, yeah, it's like every now and then it, it does come back, and um, yeah. Do you think sometimes now it's frustration? Definitely, definitely, mate. Um, you know, like a, having someone over your shoulder looking at you that that doesn't help. Like 
there on the weekend. Like I said, I had um, a, pr- a pretty uh, a pretty sort of well-known sort of bow under there behind me, and um, I think you know that that added to the to the um, to the stress and that as well. And um, you know, you just got to get in your head that you know you know what you're doing. Just just calm down and, and get it done. You know, like just mind games really. I think. What's been the biggest thing on the archery sort of side of things? So that you know the the shooting side of things. What's been the biggest help for you um, in your own personal sort of growth? Um, mate, the, the biggest help for me, I think, is um, you know you know guys like Brad Murphy. You know they they write some some awesome um, articles in the magazines about things like that. Social media. That's you know that's. That could be an evil, evil tool if you want to. Yeah, you know, there's definitely a lot of good things about it as well. And definitely, you know, there's a there's a lot of um, well-known guys out there that um, yeah, really really put some good information down. You you yourself with your with your podcast, mate. You know, like not only just the archery side of things, but you know, doing hunts and that over in the states and things like that. You know, it, it all helps. You know, yeah. All, all that, mate. It all goes to uh, yeah, bettering a, uh, a a newcomer in the in the archery. Yeah. Have you been much of a? Um, uh, I don't know how to even ask this, but um, like when it comes to gear, you know, I call myself sometimes a gear whore. So you know, something does work, you grab another one. Um, have you been that way? Like, have you found that you know particular things have worked for you, or you've just stuck to your guns and and made what you've got work? Mate, the only thing that I've probably, um, apart from bows and, um, you know, like it, the first sort of bow I got was just an entry-level bow and entry-level sights and all the and, and arrow rests and all that type of thing. But, you know, as I've grown, I've, you know, I've gone and bought the better quality, as you, as you well know. And, um, yeah, but I think, mate, you know, you, I think, yeah, like it, you just sort of got to get the the best sort of equipment that you can with the with the money you've got, and uh, I think the only sort of a piece of equipment that I've really changed to sort of to help my shooting would have been my release aid. I think okay. I um, I was sort of struggling there with a with a wrist release, and I ended up going to a thumb release, and yeah, pretty well noticed um, changes straight up with the with the change over to that. Whether it was just a pure mental thing that that um, that it, that it was to change with a with a new style of release aid. I'm not 100 percent sure, but whatever it was, it definitely works. Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure if I've mentioned this before, but I'll I'll say that that's been the biggest thing many many years ago now. Um, but that was the biggest change that I made. I always shot a wrist release. Um, I, my old man just called me the speed shooter. Um, yep. I just got that back as the pin come back I'd just punch it straight away didn't matter how much I concentrated yeah you know and the biggest light actually Ben McCulley he lent me a release to take home you know we're over there on the beers there one weekend and um, he said you know take that back home and I, I can't remember what it was now and, and it, and it cha- he'd honestly changed my shooting um, you know now you know yourself with a thumb release if, you sh- if you're using them the way they should be used you know it's all a squeeze and a pull here and a pull there so um, yeah, it's very hard to rush a shot off, actually, um, even when you want to. Yeah, that's right, and, there, and there's a lot of them now too that have got that um, that mechanism in them where 
and um, where you can practice your, your pull through or your shot without even actually re- releasing an arrow. I think Stan make quite a good one, and I'm sure there's other others out there that that have got the same um, the same function. And you know those types of things can yeah they can really help you out if you're struggling. Yeah, I'm interested. Um, it's funny you mentioned the stand because. Um that's, that's probably my next purchase, to be honest with you, is I'm really liking the idea of, you know, got that lock in them, and um, yep. I had one in my hand the other day, and just the way they sit in your hand, I'll be interested to see, obviously, lucky enough, we're heading over to the ATA show in a couple of days, and I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that wow us over there, so it'll be interesting to come back, you know, with that kind of info, and, and then I'll sort of talk about that, because um, yep. those kind of things, I think, can you know, really, as you found, you know, leaps and bounds, I reckon. Yeah, yeah, I think, mate, if um, that sort of um, equipment comes onto the market, you know, guys like yourself um, and, you know, your Brad Murphys and uh, that do their uh, do their reviews on it and get the word out there, you know, it's, um, yeah, it's a good thing. Definitely, mate, definitely. Mate, you know, jumping back a little again um, and probably switching to the hunting side of things and, and obviously, once again, you know, very experienced in the bush. When you went from the hunting with the dogs to, to the bow, you said that it helped, but was there anything that didn't help with? Was there something that, you know, you thought, geez, I'm really going to have to change that? Well, I don't know whether you've ever whether you've ever hunted with dogs, but it's um, it, it can be pretty hard and fast there at times. So. I've had three ru- dry runs, mate. That's, that's my, my hunting with dogs career, so... Yeah, <laughs> Well, uh, yeah, it can get pretty hard and fast, mate. It's sort of all systems go there, there at times. You know, you you might, um, if, you, if you're hunting from a vehicle or, or whatever, you, you might just be sort of cruising around a, a wheat paddock or whatever and it might be a bit quiet and then all of a sudden, boom, you know, it's um, it's all systems go. There could, be, there could be five in front of you or there could be 55, you know, and it's, uh, yeah, it's all systems go and, I guess, um, yeah, just taking that backward step and and probably when I was walking, I was probably walking too fast, you know, uh, with, with the bow in my hand, like trying to get over that next ridge or down to that gully or, you know, get to the other end of the creek or get to that next dam probably a little bit quicker and just... Uh, just needed to take that step back and um, take in what sort of you know what was going on around me. It, it took a little bit to sort of to work that out. That if you uh, if you walk a little, you may see a lot. <laughs> gotcha. That's a good one. That one. Did you find that because you knew a lot of the country so well, you kind of had your blinkers on a little bit, even though you were hunting at a completely different style? Yeah, probably, mate. Probably. I um, I guess. Um, I guess with 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 a dog, you know, you you don't have to be in that specific spot at, at that direct time. You know yeah. what I mean? If if they'd been through there, in, if if a boar had been through there in you know twenty minutes, half hour, or or sometimes even more, you know, you you're still in with a fair chance. But you know, you with a bow, mate. If you if you can't lay eyes on him, well then you you you're not going to shoot him, eh? So yeah, you just know that time to to step back and uh yeah knock those blinkers off and, and have a good look around because uh, you're gonna you're gonna miss them going back to the start when you 
was there anything you change looking back now when you you know when you really made the the full time switch to the bow? Is there anything you changed back there now? Um, mate, I'd, yeah, probably what we just spoke about pretty well. I'd I'd, I'd like to um to tell that to tell that bloke back then just to to chill out and take take your time. I'd probably have a, a, a few more uh, decent critters up my sleeve and um, uh, but you know like. In saying that too, like I, I think it's all learning. I think some people need to go through those types of things. So I, I probably wouldn't take anything back to, to be honest. I, me myself, you know, I, uh, I'm a hard learner. I, I like to learn the hard way. <laughs> whether you like and, it or uh, not. Yeah, whether I like it or not. So and uh, yeah, I'm 37 now. I can't see myself changing. So. I think it's just the the struggle that I'm probably going to have for the rest of my life, really. But yeah, um, yeah, I probably wouldn't tell him anything back then. I'd yeah, let him struggle. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny, you know. I, I look back, um, and and a lot of the stories that you know you retell, yeah, around around the campfire or whatever it may be, um, it is them failures that I think stick in my mind. Um, I've ever got some from. Yeah, you know, just recently, you know, I think every year you have the ones and it always seems to be the, the quality of trophy you've been chasing or something along those lines. Um, it's funny how yeah. they're the ones that stick in your head. Definitely, mate. I, I think the failures definitely, you know, they help build you as a hunter, you know. Like if, if you're not learning from your mistakes and um, your failures, well, you know, you probably want to give it away because you, you, you're probably not going to get any better and... You know, like if it was if it was that easy just to to, to go out and um, and shoot a good critter or or that or that big stag or that or that big rotten buck that you've been chasing for for three years or that big gnarly boar, like if if you were to go out and just um, get him every time, you know, it yeah it'd, it'd take a fair bit of the shine off it, I think, for a lot of hunters and. Um, yeah, I think we all need that in our lives, the, the failures and the and the hard times, and that to uh, to help shine through when you do uh, when you do shoot a good critter and it and it all goes down good. You know, you can you can really uh, you know reflect on those moments as to yeah, you actually got there. You know, yeah, I think you nailed it on the head right there. You know, it's it's reflecting on the moments that improve the next one. Um, you know, and I'll be honest with you, you know, it's sort of what pushes and drives me for the following, you know, for each year, each season. Um, you know, some people look at what we've done recently, you know, doing the big tra- big trips and, you know, not succeeding and things. But be honest with you, that's what fuels the fire for the next one. Um, I think yeah. if we, if you shot everything you wanted to, you know, the first one, well, you know, you're probably not going to be working your, your ass off to get to the next, you know, the next season, so to speak. So, yeah, I certainly use it as fire. Yeah, definitely, mate. I, I, you know, if it, if there was no failures, you just you just find yourself rolling through the through the motions, and I think it'd become pretty boring pretty quickly. <laughs> Real quick, especially that you know, especially as we said before, you know, even with the challenges of bow hunting, you know, if unless you you got the ups and downs, if it's always down, you yeah you you're gonna struggle with it because you know it is, it's a challenging sport for sure. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, that's right, mate. You know. I, that's 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 the main thing I like about it, you know. It is the challenge. It's, you know, it, it challenges you mentally, physically, um, you know, 
every aspect of the you know the the human body gets challenged with with the bow in your hand if you want to be successful i think definitely yep looking back um would there be any advice for someone that you know that's looking to make that shift and and you can you know from from uh, the boys you know running the dogs or you know a rifle shooter or something like that you know was there anything that held you back in the switch i know it's a little bit different because you're halfway forced to do it but is there any kind of tips that you give them give to those guys that are looking to um to switch over mate i, I would have to say the best bit of advice would have to be i think mate if you if you you're not 110 percent committed yeah i think you you're um you're probably barking up the wrong tree and i guess sort of apart apart from that uh I guess sort of on the on the equipment side of thing, like the gear side. I think get get the best you can afford, you know, mm-hmm. um, and and prioritise your equipment. You know, if um, if you're tossing up between um, you know a, a pair of binoculars or a rangefinder or whatever, like for me, I'd I'd probably I'd probably be more inclined to get a good rangefinder over a pair of binoculars first up, because yep. you know, you know if you you want to know how far it is. A pair of binoculars, uh, you know, that's gonna that's gonna tell you that there's a there's a there's a pizzle on that pig at 400 meters, you know, and and it's not you're not gonna turn up and it's gonna be a you know a 50 kilo sow or something like that. Yeah, it's gonna save your legs, but you know that range find is gonna help you when you get there to to actually make that crucial shot. So in saying that, you know, like in that. In that instance, I think you know a range finder would be um, priority over a pair of binoculars. I think just prioritise your your gear and just get the best that you can afford. I think. Yep, yep. I think it's you know and it it works pretty much right through your gear as as you said. You know if I see a lot of the times and and it's not uh, the purchaser's fault by any means. It's probably the advice they're given, but you know they sort of buy. Yeah, let's say a you know pretty top of the line sort of bow, and then it's the accessories that go on it, kind of makes it a lot harder and more challenging. You you mentioned release aids, you know, it's not matched up right through the package, um, and I think I think that's what makes it a lot of the time very difficult. You know, the arrows don't match the bows, so therefore the tunings out and all these kind of things, and the poor buggers yeah. are sitting there for weeks on end trying to hit you know the side of the hay shed. And they've got no hope because the setup itself is actually wrong. Yeah, that's right. You know, like you, you need to, you need to start with a with a bow that's going to be, um, you know, suited to you know not only draw length obviously, but you know, there's no point a, a newcomer coming into the sport wanting the fastest bow on the on the planet because it's you know it's just going to pull pull his or or her shoulder out of the socket. You know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. You, you want a lot more. A lot more stable, and you know you want to you want to build a foundation off um, off that, you know, and you know change your side or your or your rest or your release aid or whatever. But you know if you if you if you got a bow that's not suited for you, you know if you if you're six foot eight and you got a uh, a thirty inch axle to axle bow, you know you, you you're probably not going to be that accurate. Yeah, you're up for a challenge. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so you want the right information. You want to do your your research, and yeah, you know if it if it means um, joining a club or or even just calling into a club and just and just talking to it, if you're not a club type, like 
um, just calling into a club and having having a yarn to a few guys. Like when I made the change, there was nobody else around me that that um, that that hunted with bows. Um, there's a few now. They sort of see the passion that I've got out of it, and they're starting to go down the road of the bow as well. But when I made the change, there was there was nobody around me. You know, I had to re- rely on the magazines and you know the internet to sort of get that information. But However you get it, you, you know, that's sort of definitely something you want to do. You want to gather up as much information and, uh, and and buy that equipment sort of, yeah, that best fits your budget really and, yeah. You've obviously been, um, let's just say, an information sponge of the last six years. Um, you know, you're obviously someone that does the research and, and looks into things before they jump out. Um, what's the best, let's start with technical advice, that you've either read, listened to, or been told. Um, yeah, it's probably a tough one. There's, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a heap there. Um, I couldn't really put my finger on any one piece of advice, but um, one, one that sticks out to you, one that you can just remember. Probably the, probably the the speed of a bow, like it. I think it was the second bow that I bought. The first bow I bought, well, I think, was a um, a PSE Stinger. I think it was a sixty-pound Stinger. And um, when I made the the progression from that, I think I think it was a, a a PSE DNA SP. I think, which is a speed bow. And yep. I, I think I was into my third year, and, and at, at the at the time, you know, I thought it. I thought it was the be all and end all, and I was I was soon to find out that um, that, that you know that particular bow just wasn't wasn't suited to me, and um, uh, yeah, it was it wasn't long until I, I changed again, and actually, you know, just just talking about that now, it sort of prompted uh, another another bit of information that was actually to answer your question properly it's probably the most important piece of information was uh find out what um what what uh eye is your most dominant you know i'm right-handed and i used to used to shoot right-handed and uh when i uh you know i had a, had a guy front me and said you know this bow is probably not really suited to you it's probably too fast and it's probably too uh short axle to axle for you and we sort of got the conversation started, and and then he, yeah, he sort of got me to do a eye dominant test in the shop there, and we soon found out that I was left eye dominant. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So to answer your question truthfully, mate, I would probably say, you know, you might be right handed, but if you're left eye dominant, mate, that's the way you want to be shooting. So. So do you shoot left hand? I shoot left handed now. Yeah. Okay, so I'm left eye dominant, shoot right handed. Yeah. So you're opposite to me. But I still, yeah. So I'm, I'm dominant left eye. So I've trained, trained eyes. So I can nearly hold my left eye open now and have my right eye dominant. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah right. Ask me how. I think it's just a repetitive thing. But I was yep. told very early on that I could do it if I did it for long enough. So I kind yeah. of, I've kind of shade like I half blink my left eye. I actually don't know what I do to be honest. Completely honest, but I think that's what I do. And then I can see yep. through my right eye through the peep. Yeah, okay. Never well, used to be um, yeah. you'll, see, you'll see a lot of people in the 3D range and, and target range. They'll use an eye patch or, or whatever. Yeah. Hell of a lot of people. Um, yeah. Well, I, I guess I was sort of, 
not lucky, but um, my right eye is a lot weaker than my left eye anyway, so okay. it actually yep. worked out in my favour to go left-handed anyhow. So, so I'm, an uh, abs- I'm just an absolute spastic when it comes to my left hand. Anything left hand, mate. Uh, watch me try and throw a ball with my left hand. It is terrible. So <laughs> yeah, well, to be honest, mate, I'm probably the same. And um, that particular day, that... that um, PSE DNA didn't come out of the shop. I um, I swapped it then and there in the shop for a um, for a Hoyt Vector 35 left mm-hmm. hand. Yeah. Just done a clean swap with the um, the guy in the shop, and um, yeah, I sort of drove home thinking, what have I done? You know, I'm not going <laughs> to I'm not going to get the to, to hunt a critter for another 12 months. And mate, within within a week, I was um, yeah, it's it's really not that difficult. Within a week, I was um, I was nailing it. So. And, uh, yeah, it's sort of the transition come pretty easy, actually. So. Yeah, now that's interesting. And, it, you know, it's good to hear that, it, you know, a, a transition like that has come off. Um, you know, you took advice and it was, and for you, it was obviously the right advice. So, you know, it was good for you to, to be able to follow, at, follow that up. Um, you know, a good outcome for you. Yeah, well, mate, I, I won't lie, you know, I, I definitely questioned him, but... <laughs> You know the the guy that sort of put me down the road. He's probably got about thirty or forty years' experience, and um, you know, if I was to to walk away from that type of information, you know, I'd be an idiot. So sure, sure. I had to, um, had to take his word for it, and I'm and I'm glad I did. You know, because I'm uh, I'm I'm uh, twice the um, the shot. I, I'm not that I'm not that I'm a good shot with a bow now, but I'm twice as good as I was. So. You're working on it. Yeah, that's it, mate. You're always working on it. <laughs> You're getting a good tally on the board, mate. There's nothing wrong with your shooting, that's for sure. Yeah. Mate, talking about shooting, um, you know, and, and obviously I'm sure you've got plenty of stories to tell, but, you know, with the bow, you know, what what's a few hunts that, that have stood out to you and they don't have to have the ending that you, we all dream of, but, um, you know, what what's a few hunts that have stood out for you? Um, I think... Uh, Last year was a was a was a pretty good year. Um, I uh, managed to take my first red stag. That um, that definitely stood out. That was I put a lot of pressure on myself with that hunt. As um, as we were talking earlier, we sort of my wife and I had a few dramas with the with the birth of our little fella, and um, yeah, I was sort of booked into sort of. To go on a, a deer, a red deer hunt up at um, up in Queensland, and um, yeah, the, the thought of sort of leaving my new family behind for for a week and and, and leaving leaving my wife to, to, to struggle with a with a little fella was um, sort of weighed heavy on my mind. Sure. And I um, I just didn't want to go up there and and um, and not get it done, you know. Um, I hadn't uh, I hadn't hunted red deer before. I'd, I'd hunted fallow before, but I hadn't hunted red before. And um, yeah, I ended up bloody ended up blowing a few good stags early in the piece, and I ended up um, ended up getting it done on the last hunt of the last day. And yeah, you know, like I yeah, to be honest, mate, I, I, I sat down over the. Uh, over the stag and I bloody I, I cried like a big girl and um, yeah in, in front of the guy too mind you he's probably <laughs> looking, 
have a look at this bloke, you know, he's just gone to pieces. <laughs> but, um, you know, it just meant a lot for me, mate, to, um, to, to get it done and, and, and do me wife and me little fella proud, you know. Definitely. I mean, you, you know, and, and obviously most people won't know the story, but, you know, you had, there were certainly challenges at home that, you know, I've, I was explaining to you earlier, I've been through a very similar thing. And, um, yeah. you know, when it all comes together, it just shows your passion, you know, for what you're doing too. And, um, yeah, I think when you can show that, mate, it's a, it's a bloody good thing, I reckon. Yeah, you know, I'm the sort of fellow that I wear me heart on me sleeve and, you know, I'd, yeah, I see that um, perfect shot on a, on a uh, on a nice red stag, and to see him to see him go down in in sight and a good clean ethical kill, mate, and uh, yeah, to to get the first of a species uh, on the board, yeah, it was it was pretty overwhelming. Definitely, mate. I mean, that's and yeah, perfect story, mate. That's what we all sort of you know we we try to to chase is that you know that the storybook story you know dream, I suppose you could say, and you know it's, yeah. it's good when it comes to fruition. Yeah, my word, my word. I was, uh, I was most certainly a uh, a happy boy that night, and um, yeah. You mentioned, a- you mentioned in your, um, you know, your progress through the last few years. You know, with the bow, um, obviously you've seen, you know, the top. I suppose you know from the Australian bow hunting point of view is the red deer. You know, I guess the red and sambra held pretty highly, but. You said you had some challenges as you progressed, you know, from from your boar hunting. Um, you probably don't really want to talk about it, but what challenges you faced stepping up to sort of chasing deer? What's is it been more of a hunting thing, or is it coming back to more the pressure you're putting on yourself? Um, I would definitely say the pressure that I put on myself. It, it doesn't matter whether I'm whether I'm hunting or or whether it's work related or whatever. I'm just the type of fellow that just you know, if if I say I'm going to do something, I like to get it done, and I I exert that pressure on myself to get it done. And sometimes, you know, it, sometimes it helps. You know, to it gives me that bit of extra sort of work hard to to get it done. But in in the in the other side of the coin, sometimes it it can um, be your worst nightmare. It can um, it can mess with your head a little bit. And um, I think I started hunting uh, fallow on a on a couple of my blocks that. Uh, they don't hold any any big numbers a, a deer, but I think it was I'd been hunting for for two or two or three years, and I thought you know I'm I'm at the stage now where I can I'm I'm, I'm confident on on hunting a deer, and um, yeah, I had had a couple of bad experiences there where I I, I guess you'd, you'd call it buck fever. Uh, I had one sort of had a fella come into about. Oh, probably three yards off me. Actually, I was in a in a in a kneeling position. I could see him. He was about 50, 50 or so yards out, just uh, thrashing a tree. And I couldn't believe my luck, mate. I gave the antlers a bit of a rattle, and um, <laughs> I thought, you know, he started coming. I'm thinking, Jesus Christ, I've done something right. And then, and then I sort of I sort of panicked and. Um, yeah, before before I knew it, he was on me, you know, and yeah, I I, I put a rush shot in on him, and and um, yeah, completely missed him, you know, and and um, there was a couple of incidents like that that sort of uh, that hurt me me pride, and yeah, I guess um, 
that's probably been the the, the, the biggest sort of um, the biggest hurdle, so to speak, as to making the change from 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 hunting pigs to to other critters. And it wasn't long after that that I I thought you know on the off season I I should probably practice um, whistling foxes in you know because it's probably much the same and yeah. probably a much smaller target and yeah that's what I spent a bit of time doing just just whistling foxes in and and shooting foxes you know they they may not have all the all the tassels and everything hanging off the head that might uh, that might send one to water and uh, yeah I, I sort of racked up a few foxes and that over the years and um, yeah I think it sort of helped me out a little bit and and besides that it's just good fun <laughs> yeah definitely it's nothing, I love chasing the foxes do you yeah, think it's great. do you think it's the the stature uh, of deer hunting you know is is why I guess you know there's guys that just fall to pieces I, I, I mean I know there's a f- you know I've heard stories of guys chasing you know pigs and that it, it seems to be more of an aggression thing why people get yeah, probably a little bit sort of edgy around getting in close quarters. Obviously, deer aren't so aggressive, so to speak. But do you think it is? You know, it's like oh, it's a, it's a deer, it's a buck sort of thing. Do you reckon that's what does it to you? Yeah, I think so too, mate. And uh, you know, for a lot of guys, for a lot of guys out there, you know, they may only get that that window of a couple of weeks once a year to hunt that yeah. species, you know, too. So. You know, in their head, as much as they probably don't want to, they'd be thinking, you know, I've, I've got two weeks or a week or, you know, some blokes may not be able to, to get away, may only be able to spare a weekend, you know. Sure. Um, you know, so, so that would weigh heavily on on a bow hunter's mind as well. So, yeah, probably a lot of things that come into it. But for me, um, I, I guess it was... Yeah, just just having that that animal that you've sort of worked so hard to, to get, and you know I'm lucky enough that I can um, I've I've got areas where they grow out on as well, so it chase them a little, sort of, little bit longer through the season, a little bit longer and and that. But um, like I said, there's no great numbers there, so I might go a few trips and not even see one. But yeah, um, but you know certainly ahead of that hunter out there that's only hunting them for a week or two a year. Uh, you know they you know they they're just a majestic creature you know they i think i think they they give even the most accomplished hunter you know a, a, a little bit of um jelly legs you know definitely yeah i mean it's that's like anything <laughs> mate it's uh, as you said you you're putting the time and effort in you're spending time away and you know it's it's when you've got it in focus yeah, you know, it takes a little bit to hold it together. Um, but I think the the bigger the hunt is, the the more that pressure comes over the top of you. That's right, you know, you're putting a lot of, uh, you know, you're probably placing questions on your gear, you, you know, you're researching the weather, you're researching their bedding areas, you know, you're researching their anatomy. There's just so much that goes into it, and you know, to, to get it all, you know, in your face, whether it be at 20 yards or five yards or 55 yards, you know, whatever it is, you know, it, um, yeah, it can be quite overwhelming. I think, uh, you know, I get a lot of questions through my work. I, spoke, I talk to a lot of different people and, you know, when you've got the right person that wants to know about it and you start talking about it, when you actually start breaking down what actually needs to come together to actually harvest something, 
it's amazing what actually, you know, what luck that we do need to have as bow hunters and, and obviously some skill level. Um, yeah. You know, with wind and, you know, all the animals, I guess, you know, sight, smell, hearing, all that kind of stuff. And um, and then the shot placement, you know, there's a lot that goes in it. A hell of a lot that goes in it. Yeah, you know, you've, you've um, you hit the nail on the head there. You know, you've, you've got you've to do uh, 100% of what you're doing correct and, you got to hope that they do that, you know, that ten percent wrong or something, you know, to to make it happen. So, mate, what um, probably could do this in two parts, but what sort of is two thousand eighteen holding for you, mate? I know that the little one's growing up a little bit, so hopefully it might uh, let you out a little bit more. Um, and he's nice to mum, and um, it's, so so. What does twenty eighteen hold for you, and 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 what do you see on your bigger side of future hunts? Mate, 2018, I've got a, I've got a couple of good hunts uh, in the pipe work ready to go. I'm, I'm probably pretty lucky, mate. I've, uh, I've got myself a, uh, a really understanding wife, and um, yeah, she's behind me every, every step of the way. You know, she's, uh, she's, she's, she's the greatest. You know, I, I can sort of go hunting every, every second weekend or, or whatever it may be, type thing. So there's definitely no shortage of, of. Uh, you know, weekends away, but as a talking about uh, sort of sort of bigger hunts, I'm, uh, I've got the the local uh, fellow here that I'll that I'll probably late March, and then I'm uh, heading back up to Queensland to, to hunt those reds again in the first week of uh, awesome. April, and then hopefully I can get back and catch the tail end of the. Um, the rut here in um, in Arna Valley, and yeah, try and get try and get the first species on the ground there with a with a with a uh, with a representative buck. So they've still got your number at the moment. They do, mate. Yeah, I've I've actually had um, plenty of opportunities on um, on some spikers and that and yep. uh, whatever. And I just want uh, yeah, the, the first of the species to um, to be of a representative type head you know what i mean and i'm happy to wait so yeah definitely i'll be following closely mate that's uh it's a good challenge yeah and then i've got uh the first week of october i've got a mate of mine that uh he's got some pretty good access up there in uh in the territory so i'll go up there and and hopefully get a a buff on the ground too so sweet yeah yeah no doubt you definitely got something to look forward to this year that's for sure yeah, that's um, that'll probably um, draw this year out, and yeah, in the uh, the future, mate. Uh, probably 2019, I'm, I'll be probably looking to do me my uh, first sort of backcountry hunt, whether it be sort of Montana or um, or New Zealand or something like that. I'm yeah. just uh, in the process of getting the last bits of me equipment together now for sure for that for that style of hunting and. Yeah, get over there and and chase some other species. So. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's um, in, you're setting yourself a good uh, learning ground as well. You know, you're chasing the the, the you know, stuff home at, back home here, and, and obviously going to spend, you know, especially after this season, you're going to spend a lot of time around them as well. And and if you're honest, you know, when you're heading overseas, it, it's not much different. You know, it might be a bit bigger country and those kind of things. You've got a few more acres to to roam free, so to speak, but. Um, you know the hunting style is is very very similar. I think. Yeah, no, well that's good to know. You know, like I, 
pretty limited as to to people with that sort of experience around me, you know. So, you know, to to hear that's sort of pretty comforting, really, because it's it's definitely something that I uh, that I think about a lot. You know, you know, am I going to be out of my league over there, not having the experience, and you know, you you can read as many articles as you like on on people over there, but un, until you step foot in on the dirt, you know, you really that's where you do your learning in it. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think I went over this and probably in a couple of episodes, you know, when we done our recaps for, from this year's elk hunt, but, you know, and, and this will only help you in what I think in your confidence is I second-guess myself, you know, through the entire hunt. Um, looking back that now, you know, if I just had a hunted it like I normally hunt back here at home, which I have, you know, just walk out and do what you're going to do, I probably would have been, you know, I probably would have harvested the big fella I was chasing. Um, so it's sort of, I don't know why we do it, but it's like you're in a foreign country and you're chasing an animal that you don't get to chase every year. You kind of seem to want to try and, you know, like mine thing again, you kind of want to change your way again. But stick to your guns, mate, stick to what you know, and I think, you know, you'll you'll be very successful. Yeah, I guess like they say, you know, there's no point trying to... Um reinvent the wheel so to speak so you know if if, if you've been been successful and you and you've got that experience um hunting behind you know i guess you just got to um back yourself and and you know don't be don't be so hard on your decisions and you know maybe you're not gambling you know maybe you know those thoughts that you're having in your head maybe they are just the right the right yeah. ones you know yeah yeah it's, it's hard too but to, to know that's happening but once again as you, you nailed it before it comes back to experience you know you've, you second guess yourself enough you might go yeah it might actually run with your thought for once yeah I guess yeah, I guess you're right and uh, you, you know and, and at the end of the day I guess there's a like you say there is a big portion of luck that comes into it but um, you know you've got that experience you you, you know what it takes and um, probably the your initial ideas and that are probably usually on the money so yeah other than the normal you know everyone's dream hunt you know i know we all we all certainly match an elk and and those kind of things is there anything out of the box that you know uh has you intrigued um yeah look uh, to be honest there, there isn't one one species of animal that i'm you know that i've that's really got me going like no doubt I'd, I'd love to, to go and hunt elk um do do the white tail bark uh but but to be honest listening to a um just a, a latest uh one of your podcasts actually with with benny solaris is um he's big on so yeah um yeah so, something like that you know it's um definitely something that i hadn't really put much thought into it but it, yeah it's certainly uh, it's certainly something that i've been thinking about yeah the sheep stuff's an interesting one and you know a lot of people don't get so much involved in that especially if you look at the drawing side of things um and i know ben sort of discussed a little bit of that on that podcast you know it's generally so far out of reach for most people that no one gets you know um sort of doesn't put it in their sight so to speak but for everyone I've spoken to that has hunted hunted them or been on a hunt, you know, with someone else chasing sheep, they reckon it's absolutely addictive. So it's kind of a little scary in the way, but um, I can see how they would be. And 
there's other things that we can sort of chase that's kind of a lead up to it that gets us you know to see whether we're going to like it so they, re they think well they say that you, you either love it or hate it you know some people just don't want to spend their time in those kind of mountains and, and those kind of conditions I suppose you could say but I think it would take some for, for me not to like it yeah, that's right, mate. I, I think um, I think the majority of bow hunters out there are sort of in it for the for the challenge and and that, like you say, you know, just to even uh, get the opportunity to, to go and hunt that type of animal is just a uh, a massive challenge in itself before you even put uh, put your foot on the ground, you know. So yeah, most definitely, most definitely. I'd I'd be very surprised if um, that that sort of um, critter didn't didn't appeal to to a lot of bow hunters out there, you know. That's for sure. Mate, um, kind of wrapping things up a little bit here, mate, but, you know, from, from someone that I guess is, is I'm not going to say new into the game, but, you know, you're relatively new, where would you like yeah. to see Australian bow hunting, let's say, the next 10 years? You know, what's something that you think we could change that we could all do together as a as a community? And, and where would just, you know, is there any where you'd like to see an improvement? Mate, I, I definitely would. I'd, I'd, to be honest, I'd, I'd like to see, um, yeah, more of this type of thing. And um, and to be honest, you know, like a, I was only thinking just recently, you know, for, you know, any given Sunday or whatever, you, you might find, you know, three or four different uh, fishing shows on uh, free-to-air television and and that. And I think um, I, I'd, I'd, I'd personally like to see, um, yeah, like a, like a bow hunting, um, you know, series on, on free-to-air television and, um, yeah, basically just get people educated on um, on hunting in general, you know. I think it's something that, that Australia lacks in severely, you know. Um, yep. You know, like a, a lot of uneducated people out there, they're, they're quite happy to see a... Uh, a fish get thrown on the deck with, um, you know, getting scales ripped off it or whatever, and they're quite happy to find that acceptable. You know, like yep. to to be honest, there's a, there's a not not a lot of care care in the world for the for the old fish. You know what I yep. mean? But yep. no, exactly you, know, where you, come you, from. you broadcast someone out there, you know, ripping a, a side off a um, off a, a freshly um, ethically harvested deer. You know, you're going to be uh, you're going to be hearing about it pretty quick, I'd reckon, and yeah. um, just think it's through poor education. And definitely, I, I mean, you know, a little bit without getting, you know, political or anything like that. You know, we have there's a few that haven't probably helped ourselves in little ways with things, but you know, social media is a shocking one for it now. As we said, there's there's really good stuff about it, it's bad stuff. But I think we just, you know, we probably just need to think about the way we are portraying it. You know, you're doing, you know. You said exactly, you know, just the educational side of things. If you get the opportunity, make sure it's put in good light and, and let's try and, I guess, grow the sport. It doesn't have to just be hunting, but it can be, you know, just, just archery in general. It'll, it'll help the rest of us. Definitely, mate. You know, if, you, if you're if you an um, experienced archer or a bow hunter or whatever you are you're, or, or any type of hunter, you know, and, you, and you're seeing a... A young boy or a young girl rising through the ranks, and um, you know, don't take doesn't take much just to pull them aside for five minutes and 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 just sort of you know, little educationals here and there. You know, I'm sure they'll be thankful for it, and 
you know, like you say, ten years down the track, I think um, I think the the, the pastime of uh, bow hunting will um, reap the benefits of it. You know. Yeah, definitely, and that's. But you know, we seriously need to look into that. You know, and and I know this platform's great for it. Not just just my one here, but you know, everyone that's jumping on board with it. Um, you know, all the different avenues that we've got. You know, we we really need to look after what we've got because you know it can be taken away from us very quickly. So you know, we are very passionate about it, and we just need to make sure that we're we're doing everything we can to to keep it that way. Yeah, that's right. You know, so if there's a if there's a club or you know something that you can join, or whether it be just an archery club, or whether it be trophy takers or whatever, if if you can, uh, you know, you may not be a club person, but if you can. Uh, you know, to join and, and, and get your number heard, you know what I mean? Because you don't want it to be on your doorstep and um, have it taken away from you, you know. You, you don't want it to be too late. You want your uh, your voice to be heard straight up and, uh, yeah, let let everyone know out there that, that uh, yeah, that, it, that it's an ethical way of hunting and, uh, yeah, it's uh, something that's going to be around for a long, long time. Definitely, mate. Sounds awesome. Mate, where can we, um, and every, well, myself and everybody else, follow your adventures of 2018, mate? What's the um, what's the best place to keep an eye on you? Probably just Instagram, mate. I've um, I've only I'm pretty new to Instagram. I've uh, I've sort of shied away from that style of uh, that style of thing in past years, and um, yeah, was probably introduced to Instagram about 12 months ago, and. Um, yeah, so you can probably follow me there, or uh, yeah, I think it's Lonnie Dot Brockman uh, is my Instagram page, and you can give me a follow on there and and see what I get up to. But uh, yeah, that's about it, mate. Really. That's awesome, mate. Well, mate, I, once again, mate, I, I can't uh, thank you enough for reaching out, mate. And um, mate, great info there from you know from from all sides, you know, from from coming from the the docking background and, you know, jumping into archery and, and, and bow hunting and, and, um, and, mate, doing bloody well with it too. So, mate, it's a credit to you. And once again, mate, thanks for thanks for joining us. Oh, well, thank you, mate. And, um, yeah, you, you're, um, your show's uh, certainly um, given me a lot, of, um, a lot of tips, especially um, hunting overseas and, you know, that type of information for, for, for guys like me is, um, yeah, it's priceless, mate. So, yeah, so thank you, really. No, nah, thanks, mate. You know, greatly appreciate it. And, mate, we, we will catch up for a beer one of these days. Sounds great. Good on you, mate. I'll, um, yeah, I'll be talking to you hopefully um, after a, um, a successful buff hunt. <laughs> that sounds real good, mate. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll get you on to hear all about it, eh? Excellent. All right, mate. Talk to you soon. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Hunting Camp Down Under podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Hunting Camp Down Under. Send me a direct message with any general questions or further information on any of the topics that were discussed during the podcast. Or if you have a great story to tell and would like to share it, be sure to hit me up. I'd love to have you on the podcast. You can also email me at huntingcampdownunder at gmail.com. That's it from me this week. May the hunting gods be with you on your next adventure. Bye for now.